You're listening to a podcast from River City Church of Jacksonville, Florida. For more audio and video podcasts, visit rccjacks.com. Um, if you came in late, someone's asked me, um, you know, why are, we, why are the chairs set up like this? And again, it's our desire at River City Church for us to experience God's present, God's blessing whenever we gather for us to experience the love and the affection the Father has for us as we worship Him. And we know that as we worship the Lord and we see others worshiping across from us, it encourages us and inspires us. And um, we just know that as the early church gathered, it was in living rooms that were crammed together and where people were having to hear out of tune brothers and sisters sing. And they were bunched up with people that, you know, stole the family goat when they were eight years old or, you know, whatever they did. And this is an opportunity that we feel like, and we may keep it this way. And I know that for some of you that scares you because you're like, oh my goodness, I'm in the wrong, this isn't the seat I want for the rest of my life at River City Church. I've staked new ground and I didn't even know it. What am I going to do? That's okay, you can mix it up next week. We're not, we really don't know what we're going to do. Um, I know that surprises you, but we really don't know. Um, but uh, the other big reason is because we just, as God's growing our church, we feel like that this arrangement may afford us more seats if we get rid of the stage. We can put a whole nother three or four rows though there of about 100 more seats. And so that too would increase the opportunity for us to stay in one service for even longer, uh, which is what we're desiring. But um, as we move into communion this morning, one of the things that I said at the beginning of the service as well is that there's this aspect of communion when we gather that we look back and we remember. There's an aspect of communion where we realize presently what is God calling us into as children of his, as a church. And then we also, we look forward to um, what is going to happen when Christ returns and we're with him. And all of these are important aspects, and all of these are things that I could talk about for a long time, but I wanted to give us a snapshot as a church to help us remember just some basic tenets of things that we believe at River City Church happen around this communion table. And again, there are a lot of things that no one has ever been able to explain away from the communion table or to explain about the communion table. And as charismatics which we are at River City Church. We are full-blown, excited about the Holy Spirit, being led by the Spirit, believe the gifts are alive, the Holy Spirit is present now in these elements, that Christ is here now. We believe that, that there is lots of room for us to teach on this table, to teach on this meal, and know that God is doing so much more than we could ever imagine. And that some of us will have communion today and we will be healed physically potentially, emotionally, and spiritually, because Jesus is present. And where the power of the Lord is, there is freedom, there is life, there is love, and there's opportunity to be healed. This is the most famous passage that Paul teaches on, where he speaks to the early church who were kind of missing the communion mark, or the Lord's Supper, or the Eucharist, whatever we want to call it. He says this in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-three to 28. For I received from the Lord why I also delivered to you that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also the cup after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of profaning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a man examine or a woman examine himself or herself 
and so eat the bread and drink the cup. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-three to 28. Lord, we just ask that you would come now and that you would open our hearts and our minds to receive the truth and that as we move into communion today that we would experience your love and your grace through the power of your spirit, amen. Again, first of all, we see that this is to be remembered that unlike baptism, even though we will baptize you more than once, this is a sacrament, a sacrament that we believe is to be done again and again and again. And this is made clearly in the terminology, do this in remembrance of me. But really what happens when we look back, the basic question that it answers for us and it's asked and that people may ask you is, why did Jesus have to die? Why did Jesus really have to die? If God was God, like, you know, if God's a loving God, why didn't he just, why did Jesus have to die? And communion, and when we look back on the work of Jesus Christ, more than anything, it reminds us of the answer to that question, that Jesus died, and this is a, a word that I'm going to unpack, as a substitutionary atonement for each of us, that he, is a sub, he, he died in our place to make our relationship with God right because he loved us. See, the Bible teaches that all have sinned, that we are all sinners, that we are all jacked up, that we are all broken, that we are all more wicked than we could ever imagine or think to the core, that none is righteous, not even one. No one understands. No one seeks God at all. All have turned aside. Together they have gone wrong. No one does good, not even one. Romans 3 says that. Ezekiel takes it a step further and says, the soul that sins shall die. Period, end of story. The soul that sins shall die. The wages of sin is death, Romans 6, 23. And this death is not merely a physical death, though it is that. It is spiritual. Death means separation from all that is good, all that is love, all that is God. Physical death is a separation of the soul and the spirit from the body. Spiritual death is a separation of the soul and the spirit from God. We deserve that separation as a consequence of our sin. As a reality of the way that you live, that you choose to live every day, even as a believer, we struggle with sin, we fall back into sin, we go again and again and again, and Jesus says, you need to get together and remember for that purpose so that you're not burdened with guilt this reality and live in a false reality of what I've done for you to remove this burden from you. It's a substitute. Jesus came and died for you. He died for our church. He died for the church in the world. He died both a physical and a spiritual death. Think about that. The intimacy that he had with the Father, the perfect relationship that he had with the Father, spiritually, emotionally, I mean, it was perfect in relationship with him as it will be for us in heaven. He chose to separate himself so that we could be made right. So in the Lord's Supper, we look back to the Lord's death, to the work that he's done on the cross, and we remember what it stands for, the price that was required for our relationship to be restored to God. That when we see the bread that's being broken, it symbolizes the body of Christ that was broken, the perfect body of Christ, the lamb that was out blemish, the only man who had never sinned became sin so that we 
who had sin would be made righteous. By his broken body, our bodies are healed and made perfect. Not in a physical sense. That's not what that scripture means. By his wounds, we are healed. That's a spiritual claim. We all will physically die. This is much deeper, much richer, much more important than physical life. As bad as, and as scary as physical death may be for some of us, it is nothing compared to the spiritual separation from the eternal God forever. His body being broken for us, sinners separated, so that we can be made whole, we can be made righteous. Our relationship with God can be made perfect. That when we see the cup of the new covenant, that this represents the blood that was poured out. In order for there to be life, there had to be death. But the Bible tells us in the Old Testament that sacrifice of animals was never, will never be sufficient for the sin of man. And so Jesus came to sacrifice, to substitute himself, to pour out his blood where our blood was required. Making, making God fully just. Following through as a father would with a punishment that is deserved but atoned for by a son because of his love for us. He sacrificed his son for you. It's as clear as if you imagined yourself on the cross and Jesus coming, taking you down and placing himself in your, in your place. He is substituting himself. He's becoming the sacrifice that you deserve. He's taking the punishment that you deserve. And so when we look back, when we look back, when we come together and we eat the bread and we celebrate the, with the wine, we remember, that's right. That's right. Not only has my relationship with God been made correct again, but the way that it was made correct was by the spilling of blood and the death of a human being who took my place. But the Lord's Supper also has a present significance as well. And I feel like this is the one we miss the most. This is an opportunity for us to examine our lives in the light of our profession of faith in his death. So in the light of what we know is happening spiritually, what has happened for us, as we remember that, we are also called to remember and to deal with the reality and say to the Spirit, come, examine my heart and how that I live. Am I living in a way that this is true? Do I really believe this? He says, let a man examine or a woman examine herself as so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment upon himself. At the heart of the present significance of the Lord's Supper is our communion in fellowship with the holy God. Holy cow. That's what this is reminding us of, that we have been restored in relationship. But think about that. You and all of your brokenness that you live in, your struggle, your pain, your suffering, your hidden sin, the closets you hide in, 
the things that have been done to you, the things that you have done are in relationship with the holy God. And normally this is where, and that's where we ask the Spirit to come to search our hearts and we confess to the Lord, Lord, forgive me for this, forgive me for that. Please, I, you know that's not what I mean to do. Please, that's not who I am, right? Wrong. That's not how God sees this. That's not what Jesus is doing. That's not what that verse means. Because in God's eyes, he doesn't see your sin. In God's eyes, he doesn't see your brokenness. He doesn't see how you continually fail him because you are wrapped in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And so in the present, what God is calling us to do is to not only remember what's happened for you, but then act and live like it. A better picture of what's happening when we consider the communion in Christ with the living God who is here present right now through the power of the Spirit is this. If you were to close your eyes before you were to, you were to come up for communion, you close your eyes, right? And you say, Spirit, come, search my heart and know me. I don't want to take this meal. I don't want to, in a way that is undeserving or the way, in a way that is is a disgrace to you or our relationship we close our eyes i would i would say that this is an accurate picture is that jesus would approach us he would grab our hands our shoulders our face and he would say antley come and receive all that i've done for you you live like your sin is still what is most important about our relationship you don't believe that you have been forgiven, that my Father no longer sees you the way that you see yourself. And as, as real as your struggle is with sin, with your brokenness, with the things that cause you pain, there's nothing that can separate us. There's nothing that can separate us from the Father's love, that we are together forever, ever. Remember, not just in your mind, what I've done for you. But remember that I am always inviting you into relationship. I am always receiving you, blessing you, wanting you to know more and more of my love for you. Would you come? Would you come and share this meal with me? Would you come and believe and receive all that I've done on the cross for you? It was enough, Antley. It was enough. You can't add anything to it by the way that you behave. And you can't take anything away from it by the way that you behave. My love is enough for you. Will you come and share this meal with me, remembering how much I love you? That's the communion that God invites you to this morning. That there's nothing that you've done this week or in your life there's no thought that you've had. There's nothing that you've done to anyone else that can separate you from God's love. Either you're in Christ, covered in Christ, covered by his blood, and his sacrifice is enough for you, or you're not. And the enemy wants to believe, he wants you to believe that you can add to that or that you can take away from that. And we're certainly called to cooperate and our sanctification, and our growth with the Lord. But in no way 
can you jeopardize your salvation by the way that you behave. But we have such a hard time believing that. And in the present reality, as you come to the table and you say, Jesus, Jesus, but what about? He says, Antley, come. Open the door. I stand there and knock. Would you come and have this meal with me? Would you come and celebrate with me? Would you come and share the love that I have for you? And thirdly, it points to the future. The Lord's Supper, Paul says, at the Lord's Supper, Paul said, as often as you eat this bread and drink of the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until, future tense, until he comes. The Lord suggests the same when he told the disciples who were eating the last meal with him, truly, truly, I say to you, I shall not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God, foretelling, looking forward to when he would be with his disciples at the great feast, the lamb, where he would drink and eat and feast. And there's this great picture in scripture of God laying out this amazing spread for his children to come and participate in and celebrate that his kingdom has fully come. And we look forward to that. And many of us, at times in our walk with him, it is, we are in the valley of the shadow of death, like we were talking about earlier at the end of worship. We are in the valley of the shadow of death. We don't see the light. We don't see anything, but we know that one day we will. It will be fully realized. And so we hang on to that. In the midst of that, though, we choose to love and to serve, to come to the table and to worship the Lord knowing that that day will come. In communion, the Eucharist, the Lord's Supper, is a service or a meal that we have together to remind us that that day will come as a foreshadowing of the great marriage supper of the Lamb. And so this meal, for all of us, for different reasons, but as a family, calls us back to Jesus. To remember the great price that he paid to restore our relationship to the Father, to come to Him and experience the love and relationship He invites us into, and to trust Him in the midst of our brokenness and the fallen world and the suffering that we're in, the struggle that we're in, that one day, one amazing day, we will be together when there will be no more crying, there'll be no more pain, there'll be no more sin, there'll be no more questions, and we will celebrate with the Lord. That's what happens in this meal. And this meal is for everybody who's following Jesus, who seeks to know Jesus. And so if you're on the journey, and I've said something, you're like, oh, he's my boy. I want to follow him. And I didn't know that. Well, then you can come sharing this meal. Or some of you have wondered, I haven't, I've been off the path for a while. Come and share the meal. It's like that restored in relationship with him for some of us who in the midst of the shadow we're struggling we feel like crap we're hurting come and share this meal there are no guarantees from the Lord that you'll be healed but there is the guarantee that he is present in this meal and that he is present with you there'll be four stations and I say this every week but no one ever listens to me the one with the ribbon 
is we have all non-alcoholic wine, but the one with the ribbon is grape juice. And so if you have an, an aversion to alcohol at all, we'd love for you to participate in that over there if you'd like to. But all the wine's non-alcoholic. But the, the thing that no one listens to me about is that communion is an act of worship in the sense that you have to participate in this. Jesus offers us all these things, but you have to come forward. We're not gonna have ushers that release you. We do that intentionally. You have to be led by the Spirit. I want this meal. I want communion with the Lord. I wanna remember. I want this. But then when you get to the place of communion, and this is for our ushers, you are given a piece of the body of Christ. You don't take it. You are given this. It is a gift. This is a gift. This meal is a reminder that this table, the work of the cross, is a gift of grace. And so if you're an usher, you're doing this. This is the body of Christ. It is given to you. It's a demonstration of grace. And then you dip it, and if we weren't afraid of germs, we would give you the cup of salvation. You could drink from it. But because cooties are true, we give you the bread and you dip it in the cup as a gift and you participate. And we participate as a family. And so if the ushers could come forward, there'll be four stations. Come as you feel led by the Spirit and we'll respond in worship when we're done. Father, bless this time. Bless these elements. We pray, Jesus, that we would experience you. We would experience your Spirit in this celebration. Go ahead and take these. We pray that we would be transformed and healed, that our hearts would be made new. For those of us who need a breath of fresh air, that we would experience your presence and love. For those of us who feel like we're in the valley, that we would look forward to the day that we wouldn't be, but know that you're present with us. For those of us who don't know you, or we're coming to know you, that we would remember the sacrifice that you've made to give us life as we seek to find life in other places. But to all of us, that we each in our individual and personal ways would know that you stand before us, holding us, desiring more than anything to share this meal with us because you love us and you died to make this possible. Come, Holy Spirit, and lead this time. Amen.